0: Like audiobooks or audio shows, check out a free trial of Audible. Just click the link in the description. Hello. This is Bruce McGuire. You are listening to MindShock. This is Mothman, Episode 3 The November of Terror. Point Pleasant, West Virginia was stalked by a creature known as the Mothman for 13 months of fear and terror. The quintessential encounter was reported by the Scarberry Mallet couples, which we covered in the previous episode on November 15th. After that initial encounter, reports came flooding in for not just the rest of the month, but the rest of the year. Over a 100 total accounts of encounters with this creature. Some say it's a bird, Others a demon, others still speculate that it is an extraterrestrial or interdimensional creature of some kind. The field of cryptozoology has forever been changed by the appearance of this unexplained Mothman creature. The main staple is the glowing, piercing, smoldering red eyes that witnesses have never forgotten for the rest of their lives. Other strange activity, like UFOs and Men in Black plagued the town and surrounding area, they are less focused on in most Mothman books and documentaries. But we are going to cover all of that as well. In this episode specifically, though, we're going to take a look at the rest of that harrowing November back in 1966. On the 17th, just two nights after the Scarberry-Mallet encounters, a 17-year-old boy was driving on Route 7 by Cheshire, Ohio. This is 10 miles up the Ohio River from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Of course, the Ohio River separates West Virginia and Ohio. He reported a terrifying Mothman encounter. Same MO as usual. A gray humanoid being, like a man, with wings the size of a ten foot span, and of course, the glowing red eyes. But he didn't just spot the creature, it chased him for over a mile on the road. What's interesting is again, the witness either didn't want to be identified, or there is another reason his name isn't available. If these people were just attention-seeking individuals, they would probably lap it up and do TV and newspaper interviews every day. And yet that isn't the case with a lot of these witnesses. The previous episodes, we went into that as well. One of the common arguments of skeptics and detractors of these paranormal and supernatural cases are that these people are just insane, delusional, or attention-seeking people looking for fame and fortune now every single supernatural and paranormal phenomena case usually does have a couple of these people and and there are a couple of of candidates in the mothman case as well but but not too many not too many the following night on november 18th point pleasant fireman benjamin enox and captain paul yoder were in the tnt area A curious sighting as the men stated that it was definitely a bird but they did say it did have big red eyes and was very large. It was huge, we'd never seen anything like it. So can this sighting possibly be filed away as a large owl sighting? Maybe. What's strange is that the so-called rational thinkers ludicrously believe all of the Mothman sightings can be waved away as simple owl sightings. Now, owl eyes can reflect red, but the largest owls would be about two feet high and only a five foot wingspan. Obviously, some distant sightings of these flying owls may be accountable for a portion of the reports, but all one has to do is think logically to put the nail in the coffin to this silly theory. If these owls, which supposedly look like giant flying men, were prevalent in the Point Pleasant area, why were they not sighted a hundred times any other year? Why only in 1967? Why not after the bridge collapse did all the owls suddenly go extinct? Not likely. Not likely at all. The slew of November sightings continue. Four occur. On November 20th that night four teenage boys were exploring the TNT area in the evening and reported seeing the Mothman now the TNT area we heavily discussed in the previous episode it was an abandoned munitions plant with dome storage areas and abandoned buildings this is where the initial scarberry mallet encounter happened And it was unofficially dubbed the home of Mothman. It was also an environmental protection agency disaster site due to pollution and toxicity. That's where the theories came from that the Mothman might be some kind of a mutated freak of some kind. So anyway, on this night, November 20th, the four teenage boys were exploring the area. John Morrow and Johnny Love were both 14, Billy Burdett and Daryl Love 16 and 18, respectively. All four had the same exact story. It was a man-sized gray humanoid with wings and glowing red eyes. They didn't freeze in paralyzed shock, however. They said they tried to get a better look at the creature and approached it before it flew off. They promptly reported their sighting to Deputy Millard Halstead. In the area of Ferry Branch by Charleston, which is 50 miles down the Kanawha River, which branches off the Ohio River at Point Pleasant, a couple reported seeing a large bird. Its wingspan was wider than their truck. It flew over their truck landed in a tree, and then flew up Ferry Branch Hollow. Apparently, there was not a humanoid and red-eye description in this sighting. Five teenagers driving along Campbell's Creek that night encountered the Mothman as well. Campbell's Creek is 10 miles further downriver southeast of Ferry Branch, 60 miles southeast of Point Pleasant. Their headlights captured a man-sized bird-like creature, with red eyes, beside a rock quarry. As soon as they saw it, it immediately fled into the woods. One of the teenagers, Brenda Jones of Point Lick, stated, ''Nobody believes us because we're teenagers, but it was real scary.'' You'll see where I'm going with the river descriptions now. Further along the Kanawha River, 20 miles southeast, it branches off into several creeks, one of which is Smithers Creek. And 10 miles east on that is the area of Dixie, West Virginia. So we're now 90 miles southeast of Point Pleasant. Howard Miller witnessed a bird creature. He said it was about four feet tall with red half moons under his eyes. He saw it landing on a school bus shelter. Strange indeed. Four feet is more likely to be a large owl or bird of some kind. Regardless, the string of sightings downriver that night is interesting. If it is the Mothman, it would seem likely that it was following rivers and creeks. As opposed to randomly flying around land the next night we're in Charleston this is the 21st of November 1015 at night Richard West called the police his report there was a Batman sitting on the roof next to his house DL Tucker a patrolman answered the call West described this Batman by saying, It looks like a man. It's about six feet tall and has a wingspan of about six to eight feet. And it has big red eyes. D.L. Tucker asked him if it flew. West responded straight up, just like a helicopter. Very bizarre. So... We're also seeing some similar traits here. Obviously, the red eyes, similar estimations on wingspan, although some smaller, some larger. And then, of course, the helicopter flight ability. Very, very bizarre. It seems like there was a cluster of sightings in that area, Charleston to Dixie, and not in Point Pleasant on the nights of the 20th and the 21st. On November 24th, the TNT area has another sighting. Two adults with two kids were driving past the TNT area in Point Pleasant when they saw the now famous giant flying humanoid creature with red eyes. After this sighting, the Mothman Fuhrer was in full swing. Several hours later, on the morning of November 25th, the Mothman made a rare daytime appearance as the sun was just coming up at the crack of dawn. It was 7.15 a.m. Thomas Yuri, a shoe salesman, was driving along Route 62 just north of the TNT area. He was going about 75 miles an hour when he noticed something on the riverbank, which then came up over the tree line. It was a very large bird. I could not see any type of a head or anything. But man, that thing could move. I was going 75 miles an hour and it's making circles and still keeping up with me and getting lowered each time. I do not remember ever seeing it flap its wings, but when you were driving like that, looking through the top of your windshield, I could only see it making the big circles almost like a predatory bird. I guess I was scared to a certain extent, but then when I realized that this thing was not going to attack me or anything, I did not feel as threatened. When it first started getting lower, it seemed to be more curious about me, almost a mutual curiosity. After that, it wasn't that I was scared, but I was apprehensive. Estimated wingspan, let's say 10 to 12 feet, give or take on either end, up to 15. I'd never seen anything that large before in my life. I was scared, but I wasn't terrified. It's a strange feeling. i have never seen anything like it. I hope I never do again. You know, it's just unbelievable. After it flew off, he went straight to the sheriff, George Johnson, reporting his sighting. He also gave interviews to Mary Heyer, the reporter and journalist that covered the Mothman case extensively, and John Keel and others. Interesting to note, he did not claim this was a humanoid, and he did not notice red eyes. The other thing that's kind of funny about Thomas Yuri, he seems to be trying to make a point that he wasn't scared, but then he keeps going, I was scared, but I wasn't terrified, but it's not that I was scared, I was apprehensive. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Pretty funny that that was uh, one of the main things he was trying to relay, is that he was not a coward. And I just mentioned John Keel. He, of course, is the ufologist, and he covered this case extensively. And he witnessed a lot of UFO phenomena and men in black activity in the area as well. On November 26th, once again, outside of the immediate area of Point Pleasant, but along the rivers of the Ohio River, there is another sighting. Lowell, Ohio sits along the Muskingum River. 14 miles from where it shoots off the Ohio River at Marietta, which is about 65 miles northeast of Point Pleasant. Total distance from Point Pleasant, Lowell is 75 miles. Marvin Shock, his children Markeen and Philip, were near Cat's Creek in the afternoon when they witnessed four gigantic birds near trees. What's re- incredibly remarkable about the sighting is its duration. The witnesses say they watched these birds for two whole hours. No red eyes. They looked about as big as a man would look moving around in the trees, Schock said later. When we started walking toward them for a closer look, we were about 100 yards from them, they took off and flew up the ridge. They were able to continue following the birds by car, where they arrived 200 yards from Ewing Tilton. Tilton came out and talked with shock. They estimated the birds as being 4 to 5 feet tall and wingspans of at least 10 feet. They had Dark brown backs with some light flecks, Tilton observed. Their breasts were gray, and they had five or six-inch bills, straight, not curved, like those of hawks or vultures. Shock thought there was a reddish cast to their heads, but the birds kept their distance, and then they flew away. Is this just another coincidence that large birds, or potentially the Mothman, are being sighted right off of rivers? It's, it's very, very strange. The other part is some of these witnesses are very clear in their descriptions. They're not jumping on the Mothman bandwagon. Some of them are not reporting red eyes and not reporting humanoid figures. So they're clearly not pushing this Mothman idea but on the other hand these aren't owls if they're like five feet tall with 10 foot wingspans unless they're these giant cryptid owls which for whatever reason only had activity in that one year that's that's one of the things that's just mind-boggling about this case i mean the other theory we we are basically forced to entertain is that there's a mothman and there are these large birds being sighted is it possible that they're unrelated? Theoretically, maybe, there are mutated owls or mutated cranes. The, the other thing about the Sandhill Crane that never made any sense, obviously it has a really long neck. That's the whole point of a crane. That's where the expression craning your neck comes from, because the, the neck is insane. Like these cases, there are no necks in the case of the Mothman, or possibly even visible heads. The eyes are sunken into the shoulders, kind of like an owl. But again, the owls are two feet tall. And if there are mutant freak owls flying around, where did they go? What, what happened to them? And that munition plant has been around there since World War II. So w- what's been going on for 20 years? It takes 20 years for the birds to mutate. And if it does, where did they go after that? Or did the men in black come in and round them all up? Shoot them all? Or, or you know, whatever. A Lot of unanswered questions here lot of unanswered questions. The marathon of sightings on the 26th continued. In St. Albans, not far from Charleston, Mrs. Ruth Foster encountered Mothman on her front lawn. She heard her dog barking 10.30 at night, went out to investigate. She told reporters it was standing on the lawn beside the porch. It was tall, with big red eyes, that popped out of its face. My husband is six feet one, and this bird looked about the same height, or a little shorter, maybe. It had a funny little face. I didn't see any beak. All I saw were those big red poppy eyes. I screamed and ran back into the house. My brother-in-law went out to look. But it was gone. You know, another theory I haven't really seen floated is if Mothman is somehow this king cryptid creature and has control over these other birds, these gigantic birds, and they're all freaks or mute, mutated freaks from the TNT plant. Because then that could possibly account for all these sightings. There's these gigantic birds and then there's also Mothman. And there are different sightings. Moving on to the following day, November 27th. Now we come to another staple of the Mothman lore. The compelling encounter of Connie Joe Carpenter. And the unfortunate aftermath. Connie Joe Carpenter is actually Mary Heyer's niece, the reporter prominently featured in this case. So, Connie Jo Carpenter, a shy 18-year-old girl from New Haven, West Virginia, worked at Tiny's Diner in Point Pleasant. She claimed to have an encounter with the Mothman that morning, 10.30 a.m. So, this is the most well-known daylight sighting. Other than the Scarberry Mallet sightings, this is actually, like, pretty much the big one in terms of the Mothman. She was returning from church and driving on Route 62 past the Mason County Golf Course when she saw what she first assumed was a large man dressed in gray. Then suddenly large wings about a span of 10 feet unfolded and it shot up in a straight line and then took off towards her car Speaking about it, she said, Those eyes. They were very red, and once they were fixed on me, I couldn't take my own eyes off them. It's a wonder I didn't have a wreck. She said the Mothman flew directly at her, then veered off and was gone. She sped home hysterical and then locked herself in her room. So she's one of the only witnesses who apparently got a good look at the Mothman's face. And in the light of day, no less. Speaking about it, she said it was horrible. Like something out of a science fiction movie. Keith Aker, her boyfriend at the time and later husband, said, Those eyes. That's all she'd ever say was Those eyes. Haunting stuff. Keith also stated, I'd like people just to understand that. I'm here to make sure that they don't think she's a kook. Because she's not. And what she has said she's seen, she has actually seen. The only thing I have to say is, keep an open mind. Because someday, it could happen to you. And if you try to tell somebody... What are you going to do if they laugh at you or if they call you a kook that you're imagining or that you're trying to cause chaos, but it actually did happen? What if and if's a big question. She was so traumatized that she was unable to go to school for days and had to seek medical attention. Here's where we come into some uh, very, very strange stuff. Kleeg. Conjunctivitis. So this is actinic conjunctivitis, which is an inflammation of the eye contracted from prolonged exposure to actinic or ultraviolet rays. Symptoms are redness and swelling of the eyes. Most often the condition is caused by prolonged exposure to cleag lights, therapeutic lamps, or acetane torches. Other names for the condition include Klieg eye eyeburn, Arc Flash Welder's conjunctivitis, Flash Kerato conjunctivis, Actinic Ray Ophthalmia, X-Ray Ophthalmia, and Ultraviolet Ray Ophthalmia. Several Mothman witnesses suffered from this Klieg Conjunctitis. Connie Jo Carpenter was one of these witnesses. She had symptoms for two weeks after the sighting. I wonder how many people get ciliary conjunctivitis from watching owls or birds fly. Something to think about, isn't it? There should be more warnings in binoculars for bird watchers, or even without binoculars, because if you see an owl, I mean, you just might get your eyes burned out from looking at its eyes, right? <laughs> or a sandhill crane. I mean, that that looking at those eyes, that that'll burn your eyes right up, won't it? <laughs> The other interesting thing that we'll be going in later is the UFO accounts from this year, of which there was quite a plethora in this little nexus of paranormal and supernatural activity that was Point Pleasant, 1966 to 1967. But Klieg conjunctivus is actually reported in UFO cases. Lights in the sky, burning eyes. It's, I don't know about common, but it's, it's, it, it is a... Uh, It is reported in UFO cases, uh, quite a few reports of that. So what's really interesting, this is a daytime sighting of a Mothman being that resulted in conjunctivus. So like at night when there's no other light and it's dark, I mean you would think that'd be more possible. But this is daytime. This is 10.30 in the morning. So very, very bizarre, but the bizarreness didn't even end there this case just gets weirder and weirder specifically her case as i mentioned before men in black activity was rampant in point pleasant and the point pleasant area during the mothman sightings and connie may have had a harrowing encounter with one of these men in black as well three months later february 22nd 1967 8 15 in the morning she was walking to school she reported that a black 1949 Buick pulled up right next to her. The driver opened the door, asked for directions. She described him as being about 25, clean-cut, neat hair, and a tan. As she stepped closer to answer, he commanded her to get in the car, grabbed her by the arm, trying to physically force her into the vehicle. Her sleeve ripped, and she ran away. Once again, she went locked herself in the house. The following day, February 23rd, She found a note, slid under the door. The note said, Be careful, girl, I can get you yet. Wow. Is that absolutely terrifying or what? What is going on in Point Pleasant? Connie basically became reclusive and will not speak to the public all these years later. Is this someone really looking for attention? Doesn't seem like it, does it? What would be the benefit of making up such a story in her case? And was this really a a men in black agent? Was it a man in black? Or was it just some random guy? And why not break into the house and get her if that's what they really wanted? Very, very bizarre circumstances. Like, a lot of these people, I mean, they're home alone. It's a rural area in the hills of West Virginia. Like, you know? They could break in the house, take her by force. I mean, their cars were sighted all over the town. I mean, it's just, it's really bizarre. It's as if fear and terror was the primary goal for both the Mothman, the Men in Black, if those were the Men in Black. If they weren't the Men in Black, like, who are these guys? They're aliens? Is the Mothman an alien? Like, what is going on? I mean, we can get really outlandish with some of these theories. Is the Mothman some kind of a weird creature from another planet, and these men in black are actually aliens from that planet trying to capture the creatures that escaped? Or interdimensional uh, aspect variant of, of that theory? I mean, it's it's just really bizarre. It's hard to piece all of these pieces together logically. But we're still not done with November 27th. That night, back in St. Albans, Sheila Kane and her younger sister were actually chased while walking home from the store. While walking past a junkyard, they noticed some thing standing by it. Sheila said, It was gray and white with big red eyes, and it must have been seven feet tall, taller than a man. I screamed, and we ran home. It flew up in the air and followed us part of the way. They said it was beakless and had big red pop eyes. I mean, this is scary stuff. If true, or they're just making this up. I don't know. It's a lot of people to make up a lot of different stories. Some people are just making up stories about birds, or are the birds' non-humanoid stories real. The Mothman stories not real. Like, where it's it's difficult to to postulate properly here, even for the skeptics. Like, you have to you have to be rational and intellectually honest with your theories, and the likelihood of all these different theories being true. There were other sightings and encounters that November. Some witnesses cannot even remember the exact date. Whether you believe that leads more credence to the story or less, that's up to you. Uh, I'm not sure either way. This next sighting by Bob Bosworth and Alan Coates. I'm, I'm a little bit more skeptical of this one than the other ones. Don't know why, but but here it is. This is a very, very close encounter. Friends Bob Bosworth and Alan Coates claim to have seen the Mothman in the North Power Plant in the TNT area after exploring there on a whim one day while out riding Alan's motorcycle. So this Bob Bobsworth had previously offered Roger Scarberry five dollars to take him to the exact spot where they saw the mothman but roger refused one night they decided they're gonna go see check out the tnt factory see if the mothman's there they had nothing better to do so they went out there when they got out to the old armory on camp conley road al spotted glowing red eyes on the top of the three-story building look at that al cried out He then asked Bob what he thought it was, himself offering that somebody's probably got a couple reflectors nailed to a board trying to fool somebody. Bob said, I bet you're right. Let's go up and see that that it is. Bob describes what happened as they got closer. We stopped right there and we looked up. Well, it looked like these red eyes were looking down at us then. That still didn't bother us much because we thought whoever it was just turned the board. So I guess they were really convinced this was a hoax, this whole thing was a hoax. Which is interesting because it deviates from other from the other accounts that say, you know, they were just overcome with impending dread and doom and fear, just paralyzing fear. These guys apparently weren't really scared because they were convinced it was fake and it was just reflectors on a board. They tried to lift and angle the motorcycle so that the motorcycle headlight would shine on the eyes and illuminate what it was, but they weren't able to do that because the motorcycle was too heavy. So they went into the power plant and got to the third floor. There were concrete platforms. There were also the metal catwalks that went in every direction around the abandoned equipment. So, Bob said, in the process of a lot of demolition work, they had removed the ladders that took you up on the roof. I thought that how in the world could anybody get up there? All of a sudden this. I don't really know what to say. Whatever I saw, it very slowly and precisely walked toward us. So, this abandoned power plant was littered with broken glass. So you couldn't walk anywhere without the noise of the glass crunching under your feet. Also, that night the moonlight was very bright. So it was shining through the windows. He said it was causing a spotlight effect. So that the moonlight illuminated certain areas but other areas were completely pitch black shadow. Bob said we heard it walk and it walked right up. And just stayed in the dark. So he he couldn't see the red eyes right now. I thought about that and I think that is because there is no light to reflect them. All of its movements were slow and precise. No flighty movement, no waddles or anything like that. It got to the point that if I had taken one step and extended my arm, I could have touched it. He said all he could see was just a faint outline of the Mothman. It was very large with broad shoulders. He said it was between six and a half and seven feet tall. I don't know of any man that I have ever seen that's built that way. Back then, I weighed 170 pounds. Its shoulders went past me and it had a taper to it. Like, well, I compare it with a robin. You know, a bird looks when their wings are folded and how they're bulged at the top and then come back down to a taper. It was just as though it had a head, a large head, sitting on its shoulders. Here's what we did because you can't sometimes comprehend what you're seeing. Well, it looked very strange, so I told Al, you know... And I nudged him with my elbow so he would go along with it. I said, Al, that's a bird. I'm gonna shoot it. We didn't have any guns. If it were somebody, they should have spoke up and said, Hey man, don't shoot, it's me. No, nothing. It just stood right there. I said it again. I said, Al, I mean it. I'm gonna shoot it. He said, well, go ahead. Well, I put my hand into my coat like I had a gun. No sound. It stood right there just as if it were looking right at me. I'm 5'9", and I had to tilt my head back a little bit to look to where its face should be. And it was a rounded head. Well, if you can imagine a U upside down, it was just too big to be a man. There were no quick or threatening moves whatsoever, and had it meant any harm, it certainly had its chance right there, towards either one of us. But I remember that any nervousness went away, and I started becoming more interested in trying to figure it out. I became at that point very calm. I wasn't afraid, I was unsure. Now here's here's a very interesting aspect of the story. Bob and Al said they stared at the Mothman for five to six minutes okay that's a pretty long sighting five to six minutes they were just hanging out looking at each other (laughs) bob said it very slowly and precisely turned toward the catwalks now these catwalks had been torn up and everything else they went out to nothing and dropped off three stories down It's where they had removed equipment, so whatever this thing was, turned and started walking out the catwalk. So I'm still to the point that I'm not sure what I'm seeing, and I didn't want anyone to get hurt. So I yelled out, buddy, don't go out on that catwalk. There's no railing. It drops off out there three stories down. Never a hesitation. Then we heard the sound like wings. It was just as though it said, well, I'm bored, and left. It walked to the back of the catwalk, and only at that time, for some reason, is when we started getting a little nervous. We hastily left. So they ran away, hopped on the motorcycle, and rode off. They didn't hear anything else. Bob said he was scared that it might try to follow them and he didn't want it hitting them when they were on a motorcycle. One thing that always stuck in my mind all these years is how in the world, if it were a person or someone out to scare us, how they could get up there and then get down that quick and inside the building while we were coming up the steps. So apparently, these guys kept the story to themselves they 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 didn't they said they didn't think the police could help them and bob told his father who said he was just seeing things and that no one would believe him the other weird thing bob said is i would give anything to see it again one more time before i die i would do things differently i would try to touch it I just got the feeling when it was in front of me that I was safe and it wasn't going to hurt me. Okay, now that's a pretty strange kind of thing to say now. So they didn't go public with it at the time. So there's nothing from this sighting back in November 66. And around 2005, I think they came forward in certain interviews about their encounter. So very, very bizarre and interesting encounter. A couple of witnesses do say they did not feel threatened, which is in direct conflict with the majority of the cases where it was paralyzing fear and dread. I mean, these are on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's it's very, very bizarre. Like I said, I'm I'm a tad skeptical of this account. The details are interesting. Their idea to pretend they have a gun to shoot it, so if it was a man that it would reveal himself... Uh, That's kind of an interesting detail if you're gonna make it up that that's a pretty good thing to make up But yeah, overall, I don't know a little bit more on the fence on this one as opposed to some of the other sightings Which uh, which are a bit more convincing but as extraordinary as that encounter was Faye DeWitt may give it a run for its money Faye DeWitt is perhaps the closest any human has ever gotten to the Mothman that November, 13-year-old Faye DeWitt and her siblings decided to see if they could find the mythical Mothman, said to be haunting the area. Her older brother Topper was not a believer. He was tired of all the hoopla, and he wanted to expose this Mothman hoax, whatever it was, once and for all. So they drove out to the TNT area. This was a green 1959 Ford truck. Topper was driving, Faye was in the passenger seat. Two brothers, two sisters in the back. As they drove, get this, the Mothman appeared and began running next to the car, right beside Faye. Faye was face to face with this creature through the car window. Topper told her not to look at it, but she saw it. She described what she saw as whitish and sandy. It had the features of a human, giant red eyes, no beak. What's also interesting, that it it wasn't flying, it was running. So she couldn't believe it, none of them could believe it, because this Mothman creature is running next to the car at 50 miles an hour. Clearly an owl or sandhill crane, right? So once again, to all those saying it's a sandhill crane or owl, how many sandhill cranes or owls run without visible wings next to a car? Because she said she didn't even see the wings until later. So this, there's this monster creature just running next to the car. She doesn't even know it has wings at this point. So it's one thing to doubt that the Mothman is a demon or a cryptid, but to 100% state it can be easily explained by a bird is just downright comical, unless all these witnesses are completely lying because a sandhill crane or an owl does not run on its legs at 50 miles an hour next to a vehicle. What she said about the sighting later, all I could see was the eyes. They were so big, other than anything else on its face, it just held you and that's about all you saw. The eyes was the reddest I've ever seen in my life, and to this day, I've never seen anything that red. That's a pretty damn good description. If you're making stuff up, that's a good way to do it. The reddest red. So now they're all panicked, so she she looks back and, and tells her younger sister Betty and her younger brother to just duck down and hide in the back seat. So Topper's now going flooring it out of there and he's taking sharp corners uh, on the road and the Mothman just stays right along with the car. So it's doing these fast turns 50 miles an hour and they can't lose it. So at this point uh, Topper on the next sharp turn he just stops the car sideways in the road and the Mothman jumps on the hood of the car and stares at them through the windshield. Now this is as close as an encounter as you can get. It's on the hood of their car. This is scary. The creature apparently then just hopped right up to one of the abandoned factory buildings in the TNT area. Faye said it jumped on top of the building and then just turned and sat down and crouched like a gargoyle, Faye described a pretty good description isn't it is the mothman a gargoyle the same gargoyle of medieval times and ancient legend and folklore so basically it just jumped right up the building there was no flying there was no wings it just hopped right on the building so now perhaps not the smartest thing to do topper jumps out of the car and starts throwing rocks and pieces of coal at the mothman on the building. One of the pieces of coal lands right by its foot, and that's when the Mothman stood up, turned sideways, and hopped right down from the from the roof, intimidatingly, as if it were going to attack Topper, who then gets back and runs back to the car, closes the door, and then that's when they see the Mothman's wings for the first time. It spreads its wings and flies off suddenly. Face said of the Mothman. I'd say it's close to five or six foot wingspan, but I know they were big enough to have to carry something like that. The eyes almost took up its whole face, which that's why it was so weird. It was the largest part in its face, was its eyes. So, again, this story... I'd like to see some interviews with the other kids. Because apparently it's just her giving this story. And uh, this first appeared in the Mothman book Mothman Behind the Red Eyes by Jeff Wamsley in 2005. Faye was also on the Monster Quest TV show and the Eyes of the Mothman documentary, as well as other documentaries. She was asked if she thought the Mothman could be a mutated creature of some kind. She said, This was not a mutation this was something that was perfectly formed the way it was supposed to be just like any other thing is okay another weird comment how would she know that that's pretty strange but strange intuitions and premonitions seem to be par for the course in this bizarre case now this is quite the tale perhaps the most impressive and and unbelievable of all the mothman encounters i mean i mean this is this is insane so i don't know if they went to the police or not or if if they did and it was just kept hush hush there's there's definitely unanswered questions to this encounter uh it could it could i guess theoretically this could all be drummed up for uh you know for new books and, and documentaries and to make money apparently at the mothman festival that she was at Faye did state that she had moved out of the area So, if this encounter prompted her to move out of the area immediately and they never told anybody, okay, okay, slightly more believable, but I don't know. Very, very curious story. That has another curious bit to it. When Faye and Topper tried to go to the TNT area again several days later, keep in mind, there are no dates on this story. So if they're that traumatized, they can't even remember the day, maybe, maybe. Or if they are lying, I mean, I don't know. Would you make up a specific date if you were lying? Hard to say. So when they went to the TNT area again several days later, men in black were there sealing off the area. So they, had, they did not let them access the area. Very, very strange. Then again, if you had this kind of encounter, would you want to go back for more? I just, I really don't know what to think about that. The other interesting thing to think about is how come the Mothman didn't actually harm any humans, or any dogs either, if you agree with Linda Scarberry saying for whatever reason she felt it was something else responsible for all the missing dogs and not the Mothman. It certainly had the opportunity to kill or snatch many people, and even kids, especially now that it has a human throwing rocks at it in the case of Topper in this Faye DeWitt encounter. It could have killed them all, I guess. Another bizarre aspect of the sightings and encounters is most of these people reported extreme paranoia, fear, and the feeling that someone was always watching them after their encounters. Okay, there was, there was, one, there was one other super bizarre case in November, it was in the fall of 66. And this is Lawrence Gray's Mothman encounter. Another thing to think about that I didn't mention, we'll get into this in the UFO and the Men in Black episodes, is the memory loss. So apparently if the Men in Black show up, you saw a UFO, you saw something you weren't supposed to see, like a Mothman if it is an alien creature, and they wipe your memory, you would never remember the memory wipe or the other things you forgot. I mean, is it possible these people forgot their encounters and just reported it many, many years later when their memory slowly returned? Or is that another reason they can't remember the exact date a lot of this stuff because their memory was only partially wiped? Or if it's not the men in black wiping their memory and it's the aliens wiping the memory, if these are alien creatures and the men in black are aliens. A lot of different theories, not, not a lot of hard evidence conclusion to all these, but we'll be getting into all of these to kind of formulate some likely theories. So this was the fall of 1966, although some sources claim late November. So Lawrence Gray and his wife were living in a small white house on Jefferson Avenue in Point Pleasant. 9.30 in the evening they returned from church. So Lawrence told this story also to Jeff Wamsley. We walked upon the steps and I immediately sensed that someone had been or was in the house. I just had that feeling. I didn't mention this to my wife because I figured she, was, she would think I was joking, so I opened the front door and we went into the house, and that feeling became much stronger to me that something just was not right. I remember glancing across the living room and I didn't see anything out of place, so I then walked in towards the bathroom. When you walked to the hall, the bathroom was straight ahead and there was a bedroom on each side of the bathroom. My next response was to go into the bedroom on the side of Jackson Avenue. I looked in the closet and under the bed and didn't see anything, but I still felt that feeling. I didn't let my wife see what I was doing as I checked out the other bedroom. I went into the kitchen and walked towards the back door, with a basement door next to the back door. We always kept a little hook-style lock on the basement door, so we would know if anyone had been in the basement. I noticed that the lock was unhooked, and I thought maybe I had forgotten to lock it. I still had that weird feeling about it, so I went down into the basement to see if there was someone down there. I cautiously opened the basement door and turned on the light. I couldn't really see all around the basement. To be honest, I really didn't want to go down there, but I started down the steps and there was a pipe lying close to the steps. So I picked it up and proceeded on down to the basement. I looked all around, but still did not see anything. I headed back upstairs, but I still had that same feeling that I had when we came into the house. It was dead fear. A sense that there was somebody there and I couldn't see them. So the evening went on and finally we went to bed around 10.30 or 11.00 p.m. Our bedroom faced Jefferson Avenue and the foot of my bed did also. I slept on the window side. I was lying there in bed and all of a sudden, at about 3 a.m., I found myself awake and looking out the window. I remember all of this very clearly. A bright street light was out in front of the church down on the corner. A car pulled up there and stopped and then went on down the street. I remember looking at the car and wondering, why am I awake? I didn't feel anything at that moment. I turned my head back across the bed and there this thing stood. It just sort of paralyzed me and I was frozen with fear. I was taken by what I was seeing and I was really afraid at this point. It was standing there, and I tried to yell, but I couldn't make a noise. My wife was lying right beside of me, asleep. This thing was standing there, and it was at least six feet tall, maybe a little taller from where I was laying. It was sort of a dirty lunar color. This thing could see me, and I could see it. We both knew we were looking at each other. To me... I am convinced, as sure as I am sitting in this chair, that this was the devil. This thing had two arms, or things that looked like wings, and it was standing like this. He demonstrates a figure standing with shoulders shrugged and the head tilted. I did not see any red eyes of any sort. It had a shape... It had a head and those deep eyes, and it was pronounced in its own way. It really wasn't a human form, but it was in the form of a body. The head was very much a head with wing formation off to its sides. I can see it in my mind just as clear as it was that night. I would estimate this lasted for about 45 seconds or so. It went on for a while. I really didn't know what to do. But when I started thinking of Bible scripture in my head, it was just like salt on a slug. It kind of dissipated. Not real fast, but just sort of went into nothing. He immediately woke up his wife, told her exactly what had happened, and then she just said, oh yeah, okay, it was the devil. I guess, I don't know, these church-going folks just assume any monsters the devil? I don't know. Obviously, he knew about all the Mothman reports, so he assumed it was just the same thing that they were seeing. So he truly believed this thing was the devil and it was flying around Point Pleasant terrorizing people. Once again, this is one of the couple of sightings where there are no red eyes reported. Just just really curious. I mean, if we're just doing basic copycats, people jumping on the bandwagon, mass hysteria and shared delusions... Why aren't? Why isn't everybody repair? Uh, why isn't everybody reporting red eyes? And here's the thing: it's just not. It's not just one person not reporting their the red eyes. This is a number of cases now that clearly and distinctly say for sure there were no red eyes. Very very curious. In the next episodes, we'll be getting more into the exact UFO phenomena. And just the astonishing number of UFOs reported by by a lot of these parties and a lot of these same parties. We're going to see a lot of these witnesses of the Mothman that also have reported UFOs. Very, very curious. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you enjoy our podcasts and our podcast series, you can donate to our PayPal Just check the link in the description, and we can bring you even more podcasts. Have a good night, everyone. This is Bruce McGuire, signing off.